You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! back inside the Musicians Guild. Thanks for being here. You know, I had a lot of frustration and anger towards those who were resistant and flat out refusing to get the vaccine. But like usual, I have some time to chill out. I have some time to get to the core of my existence which is trying to understand and connect with people, even those people who, you know, I feel like are frustrating me with their choices and contributing towards the perpetuation of a problem that is oppressing us all, that we just have very different ideas of how to get past. I'm no stranger to distrust for governments and or Governments in cahoots, completely controlled, puppeted, propped up by greedy corporations, like what happens here in America. I'm also no stranger to the failures of the medical system, the for-profit medical system. And aside from its abject greed and denial of helping so many people, I also see how it has thwarted its own ability to treat certain ailments and conditions merely because they're not financially viable or worth it for them. So these things in combination, I think it's really easy to see why so many people would be naturally led towards having a total distrust for the vaccine created by science, which does not have the luxury of being developed and rolled out and offered to society without the involvement in corruption of these aforementioned organizations. I am not making an excuse or giving a pass to this school of thought. I myself am publicly vocalizing me working this out so that I don't go crazy because whether we like it or not, we're not only living amongst them We're all interwoven into this fabric, this damp, muddy, gross, yucky fabric. And to try and have any sort of thoughts or discussion regarding this subject without, you know, nuance of thought and nuance of expression placed at the highest priority is doomed to fail, almost to the point of being disingenuous from the get-go. Do I understand 
that we're having new surges with new variants, with new powers that are coming out because of groups of populations that simply do not have the resources to get vaccinated alongside large groups of people who have the means to get vaccinated but refuse to. Yes, I understand that. But I also understand that during a time where local and federal governments and world logistics and organization as a whole have failed, failed us all, and people feel like they have zero control over anything, they don't even have control over their own jobs and how to make a living. I can also understand how people will cling onto and clutch the very last thing they do have control over, which is their own body. Even if it, you know, foregoes all logic, I think that sort of drive for survival instinctually, although misplaced, I can understand. I think what we're seeing is a lot of that, just people clinging on to control over the last thing they have control over, which is what goes in their body. And if they don't like needles, in combination with all that, it's game over. You know, I don't, I don't know what the solution would be. Uh, I do feel a little less frustrated, pissed off and scared, knowing that it could be a lot of the times, this sort of basic psychology. And that's not to delegitimize or devalue it. I think that we all have these sort of emotional impulses. Uh, but yeah, I guess it is what it is. It's one of those opponents that's really difficult because, you know, this school of thought and these people, they are opponents of ours, but they're not the kind of opponents that we want to defeat through physical confrontation, or even through intellectual means. Like, all I really want is for a higher vaccination rate to get past this, this pandemic. Um, and a lot of that is sort of empathy that I get from reading books like The Art of War. Although by most uh, alpha type A American corporate minds, the ideas in the art of war are usually, you know, utilized for total male-driven domination, both physically and financially. Uh, I think it offers a lot of really wonderful insight and ideas into how empathy which is the understanding of another, uh, can be used not just for combat and domination, but used for protection and defense and actually be utilized to create different situations other than battling and fighting, whether it be verbally or physically. So, you know, I the title, The Art of War, it obviously was written under the pretense and has been mainly utilized for that sort of war. Uh, I think it's a valuable read because it has provided me 
myself with so many new concepts of empathy and compassion, as I've mentioned previously, that we can utilize to protect ourselves further against difficult people or difficult situations and uh, get better results out of them. So, changing gears, um, I'm always trying to tinker with the podcast, the structure, the layout, the format, the way I'm doing things. Last season, I was largely kind of keeping episodes contained to the week that they were being released, meaning I'm having the conversation with the guest and I'm working out the intro and doing all that. And this season, I wanted to try some different approaches uh, just to get a different product. And I pre-recorded a lot of conversations over the summer and fall, which have yet to be released. Today is one of those conversations recorded back in mid-August. This is with my good friend and musician, Colin Frangicetto. Colin plays guitar in Circus Survive. He's also a painter, and he also has his own podcast and other solo musical projects. And like many other guests, uh, he's just a real prolific creator. I didn't realize this would happen, but we're living in such a hyperbolic time that even this five-month-old conversation has a significant time capsule effect. Uh, there's a lot of things that we were discussing then that are now, you know, not applicable, have happened, ended up not happening, or we didn't know would change in the ways that they did. Uh, in this conversation, it was prior to Omicron variant, and it was prior to certain life and band events for Colin. Uh, that had yet to happen, which have now happened. So just know that listening to the conversation, um, it's accidental time capsule. And we're living in such an insane time that kind of sounds a little old, just at five months old at certain times, you know. But I also think that that was a really cool feature of the conversation and I look forward to the other conversations I recorded during the summertime that will be released in these coming weeks. So as I've said so many times over and over, which all of you know, a big motivation for me to do this podcast is the relaxing, and the soothing effect it has for me making it and getting to talk to my peers and friends. And Colin is one of those people that really amplifies that effect for me. Already, all the times that I get to hang out with Colin and talk, they always end up being those sort of conversations that get to be meaningful without being intense and get to be fun and light without being too stupid. And... uh I really appreciate the way our energies and desired approaches to thought kind of resonate with each other, and it feels good for me. I feel 
relaxed, like, uh, you know, an inadvertent therapy session, like when you go for a beautiful hike. That's how it feels to talk to Colin for me. Um, so we had a pretty laid back, mellow morning conversation. We get into things like moving and living in different places around the country. We talk about how Circa survived the pandemic and what they did and what they've been up to. You know, naturally we get into a little gear talk, Colin's, you know, old effects setup to his current one and how he's transitioning that into the setup that he'll be taking on the road from now on. Um, talk about workflow between different mediums, you know, him being a podcaster, a musician, an artist, family man, and all that. Uh, we get into so many other things. So that's definitely been enough of my babbling. Here's my conversation with Colin Frangicetto. <laughs> You did the whole thing with reverb and click going. <laughs> <laughs> That's usable, right? You, it, can you fix that in post? Yeah. It'll kind of make the whole thing like spoken word, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see you have your telly behind you. Are you sitting at sort of like your creative station, your sonic creative station? My my temporary creative station, yeah. I'm at my folks' place um, in Pennsylvania, Sarah and I, we sold our house in Portland in May, uh, and we left. Well, we left first, and then it sold while we were mm -hmm. coming here, and then we've been on the house hunt for the last, like, three months plus, um, and we just finally got a place, like, two weeks ago, but we won't move in until, like, the end of September, so we've cool. been in a very, like, you know weird transitional inter intermittent phase right now yeah it's like super cyclical too while you're like furthering your adult life you're returning mm -hmm. home to your parents for a bit too so totally yeah yeah well wild congrats on the new house and thank you uh, congrats on the move are you stoked to be back on the east coast yeah totally i mean i still you know i'll, I'll always i think miss it a little bit uh, I'll, I'll miss the West Coast. I'll miss Portland. I mean, shit. I still miss San Jose, and I only lived there for like two years. So, um, you know, I I get nostalgic about everywhere I spend a good amount of time with. Um, it doesn't really matter, like whether whether it's a technically a, a cool place to live or not. You know, I just make memories places, and I'll always have like a a part of me there. So. I dig that. I almost find that um, the places I liked least to live in at first are some of my best memories when I finally got settled in there, right? Because it's like such mm -hmm. a bigger thing to, I don't want to say conquer, but like settle into, you know? Totally. Yeah, I think you've... Going, in, going to a new place uh, is always a challenge, regardless of how 
wonderful it is because you know it shifts your entire reality and i think like if you stack on like real challenges you know like whether it's like who you're living with or like the area you're at or just where you are in your life at the time um it can be really challenging but like that's one of those classic like threshold guardian things so once you break through and you find your comfort zone and you establish like a, a place that is yours uh it makes it that much more like kind of gut-wrenching to leave it totally totally yeah. and the process of because you know like when we get set up in a living space or a studio or any i guess any sort of space that we want to inhabit regularly and for a while uh, you kind of spend a whole day here, a whole weekend there, two hours doing this, moving this in and rearranging that. And it's really easy to like lose sight of all the thousands of hours that go in that are involved in like setting up a space, whether it's for yeah. like working or living. And then when you're trying to sort through all that life to move and get rid of stuff, it's like, man, it's so intense. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've I've moved quite a bit over the last decade, you know, and it's um it's not something I'm really looking forward to doing again anytime soon after this one is over. It's like it's such an ordeal, <laughs> but uh it's funny because um you know, the housing market's crazy and everything about it right now is nuts and nuts. It kind of forces you it forces you into this weird headspace and we, we I found I found that you know what? I just realized this air filter is going. I'm going to kill that real quick. Oh. So you don't have like a bunch of shit to have to get rid of. Hold on. Word. <clears throat> Whew. All right. Um, yeah, like I, I, I feel like... <laughs> You know, when we left Portland, I was like, man, I don't want to move again pretty much ever, but I definitely don't want to move in the next 10 years. I just want to like have a place. And then as soon as we started like really struggling with the market here, it's like, whatever, you know, if we get a place and it's not great, then we'll just, we'll do it again in another couple of years. And I'm just like, oh God, already, already. I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll do this again. Fuck. Totally. I I yeah. can relate so much because Steph and I in March moved back to my hometown of Santa mm -hmm. Rosa in Northern California and we went through similar things like moving is horrible, we don't want to do it again, housing mm -hmm. market's crazy, so we're just renting this place temporarily and, yeah. and then we're just like, oh yeah, we can move again. Even if the first place we get we don't like, we'll just move again. It's like we went through the exact same thing I just said. <laughs> yeah, man. It's insane, and we were we were like this close to to throwing in the towel and just going to renting, um, because man, it's it's rough out there, and um, we were just feeling like, man, like maybe we're gonna kind of regret this in a year because everything's so crazy, and we've like lowered our standards of what we said we wanted. And what we were really going for and just kept being like, well, we can, all right, well, all right, you know, it's a trade-off, it's a trade-off, it's a trade-off until you're like, what exactly are we getting in return again? Um, but we got lucky, we got, we lucked out and, uh, you know, 
just being a self-employed person and trying to get a loan right now is fucked. It, <laughs> it is it, rough it was, times. Yeah. It was really brutal, man. Like I, I actually for a little bit there I didn't think it was going to work out cuz um yeah, the lenders are just not they're not taking the pandemic into account at all. No. They're just treating it like a normal year and yeah. it's like I actually had a lender go um yeah, it looks like your touring business lost money in 2020. And I just was like, did you really just say that? Seriously. Like what like what 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 of course. Do you know of anyone that toured in 2020, man? Totally. Like come on. But uh yeah. Anyway, it's all behind us now. Worked out. We're lucky. Well, I will say this, I think that uh Although the landscape is grim, I don't doubt big banks and mortgage lenders kind of drooling and frothing at the mouth at this very tasty, juicy, helpless opportunity for more uh, financial oppression, I would say, <laughs> for people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it seems like it's, it's at least swung in a different direction than it was before. Before, it was like they were just giving out loans to anybody, yeah. whether you qualified it or not. And, and the, you know, there was like this back room, like betting on the failure of those people not being able to pay. Uh, but now, you know, they're just like, well, so many people are trying to get loans right now. It yeah. doesn't matter. You seems know, like there's no uh, shortage of it seems like they're just really just obsessed with the regularity of income now. Nothing else sure. matters. Yeah. 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 No. So nope. are you going to be living near your hometown then in that same sort of area generally? Nearish. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's a new location for me. Um, but it's still, you know, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a stone's throw from many places that I, I've spent a lot of time in and um, still in the general area, the general Philly area. So, and still within um, 30, under 30 to 45 minutes from the band and everything like yep. that. Yep. 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 That's uh, kind of like we fought pretty hard for this place that we got because it's pretty central to everything. You know, it's like that, that time range to the band, same to my family, same to like the city, same to like the, the woods, the wilderness. So it's like pretty close to everything. Um, sick. And yeah, it feels, it feels good. I'm pretty pumped on the location. Nice. Um, what else have you been up to? Um, have you guys been doing a lot of circus stuff in preparation or? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we went through it um for sure over the pandemic as i'm sure pretty much any band did but um we kind of had a pretty interesting ride you know like we we switched it up pretty pretty quickly we started focusing on patreon and um with me being still like across the country from everybody else it was pretty hard to do anything in person together so we really shifted into this like you know, Patreon was like this um, way for us not only to survive financially, but it was actually a way for us to kind of like refocus cr creatively. And we started, you know, um, we were recording a cover from scratch every month. We were doing like a kind of like a reimagined version of a, of a, a circus song every month. We were doing 
alive as you know as you know you jumped in on one of our quarantine sessions where we were recording like kind of like a live tracking um remote tracking every month um so it kept us really busy and it kept us communicating constantly and working on stuff constantly um and all all along you know kind of buzzing in the background is you know a lot of fresh like new material being worked on too so um yeah we were really busy and then i was like pretty much doing that full-time like i would say the equivalent of a full-time job doing the circuit patreon stuff and then all our all our other stuff and then running my own patreon doing my own podcast doing a ton of visual art stuff so the last year or so was very very busy and then when we decided to move I like went through a pretty like harsh like ah like I had my flow really going and dialed in and then it was I had to I had to stop you know and focus on this other thing and so then pretty much that put the brakes on a lot of stuff for the last few months um yeah however I I was rehearsing uh blue sky noise every day and then soon as I got here uh probably like I think it was like it was less than two weeks after I got here uh that we did that stream uh so we did the full record stream and um and we've been pretty consistently getting together ever since so um yeah it's good are you like me and a lot of people where when you're rehearsing blue sky noise you're like years removed from it so you're going back through and kind of reorganizing all your parts and effects and learning how to play them and stuff like that oh yeah i mean my my just just my like effect setup is so different than what it was back then so um that's always interesting uh did you lose the pedal board yeah i still have a pedal board but it's very very streamlined like Um, meaning you have some like multi-processors on it now yeah the helix is the main thing i'm I'm doing um and then i have like four four other pedals the max that can go in through the effects loop um Mm -hmm. you know but those are kind of just like my the ones that you really can't emulate like the super shifter can't really emulate that in there um the the de7 um ibanez just analog echo delay um i do so much of like that on the fly modulation with it that you know, you just can't really do that with the Helix. Um, yeah, you don't want to be like toggling through menus to get to that one knob <laughs> to like do that effect on stage. Yeah, no, no, they do not make it easy to do that. In fact, that's a pretty cool idea for Line 6 or whoever if they can figure out a way to like add in, you know, just kind of the same way that like people who make MIDI keyboards figured out, oh, you know, like it's a lot cooler to have these knobs, you know? Yeah. Um, so once I think the, the processor's kind of add that element back in i think right now they just don't have the processing power to to make that happen i know i've always wanted someone to make they make expression pedals for guitar effects but i always wanted and i've seen a couple pedals like this but i always wanted somebody especially these companies like earthquake or game changer to make yeah. something that sits up on a stand that's a hand control for your effects you know what i mean yeah like, always wanted mm-hmm. it and i went to the point where having a smaller pedal board jacked up on a keyboard stand for hand yep. effects yeah it's just like it would have been it's so much easier which is like if you just had one control and it would look like a joystick or like an xbox controller <clears throat> or something you know 
Yeah, they're like, nah, man, you got to get down on your knees and bend over like everyone else. Like, no, we're not yeah, going to make it easy for you. What What else would live show photographers do if you weren't bending over your pedal board? <laughs> right. <laughs> are you Are you even me- messing with pedals, bro? Like, if you're not bending over and like hunched over, <laughs> killing yourself, um, getting your, you know, your jeans all sticky. Right. Um, yeah, you're, you you yeah. should be kneeling in the previous band's loogies on stage yeah. to like get your effects, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> so so true. What does it look like your effect setup is going to be for the Blue Sky Noise tour? Yeah, it's basically so it's um the Helix is the main thing and then I have a uh, Super Shifter DE7 and I still can't I can't quit the Holy Grail, man. Um I yeah. you know the, the helix is full of verbs obviously um but you know i just can't you can't find anything that just sounds as good as the i use the nano but i, I still think it sounds fantastic and um the flurb setting is just the shit i love it yeah. um so i think those are my main and then i'll have um i have an electro harmonics looper um that's my fourth pedal that's like in the loop um but yeah that's it really um i know that to some people that probably already sounds nuts <laughs> but uh you know um uh, but as far that as going physical space that's very reasonable yeah you know yeah, it's totally chill yeah that's like um, a that's like a smaller size board with just that stuff it's flyable it. you can you can fly with it which is that was the um that was really like what pushed us all to go to the helix um totally was we we were doing a lot of flyouts. we were doing like a lot of like you know just doing a lot of international stuff and feeling like oh my god like ripping apart the pedal boards every time you got to fly it's just such a pain and then you you know you're you're throwing loose pedals in your luggage and then re putting it back together and it's just so stressful and um we just we just were like yeah we need to make like we need to make like a flyable version and then once we did it we were like this should just be the tour version we should have like a studio pedal board and then like you know one that goes out on the road because is it really necessary to have all that shit like i don't know you know some people could argue that it is brendan probably still would complain he's probably (laughs) brendan's still like "Ah, i don't know you know but even he even he has come around um, to really liking the, the convenience of it, I think, um, you know, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I had all those Strymons too, I, I would have a hard time not <laughs> using all those Strymons, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so right. respect yeah. to Brendan and respect to you for keeping that analog pedal board for, and touring with that for so long, because yeah. aside from the bulk and like the being cumbersome, like there's still something inside of me that just thinks it's so rad to have all of your effects in separate housing. And you know, like it's not convenient at all. It's not, it's not even like really the most safe thing to do on stage because you're adding so much variable for chaos with between the patch cables and the connections, unless you, Oh my God. Like, you know, unless you have a true bypass thing that connects all of your pedals, which is, yeah, maybe if you're Johnny Greenwood and Radiohead with your own tech, you can do uh all that all the time. But like, you know, yeah, he's got like three, man. He's got, I'm very envious, but yeah, I was like this close to going to that next step of like a second pedal board. Yep. 
and just having like a total fortress of pedals but then it was like all right well if we do that we got to go true bypass and like do all this stuff and it's gonna be a lot of money and and it just felt like okay i don't know if i really need to do that especially at our level you know it's like we're not at that like place where we're playing arenas every night and doing all that that stuff it's like we're we're big enough that we can have a guitar tech but like do we really want to like make that guitar tech's life hell (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly totally um i don't you know and i think that was like a big part of it too you know it's like everything we everything that was uh more complicated and stuff was like all right well you're not the one dealing with it like the tech is and you know usually we have a tech for the three of us right and that's that's a lot and making that person's life easier makes makes everything better because then you know it's just less problems less stuff to go wrong like you were saying and um simplifying and and you know it's like dealing with like oh it's it's not quite as tactile and fun and cool but it still sounds fantastic and it's way easier to prep for a tour when you have it all like already dialed in it's in true. the board you know so it's so nice for fly dates or festival shows where you're you're not going to have the time and like that aspect of like plug in and play and have <sighs> your show ready to go is is tight and uh yeah it's really well cool. i mean i don't think i would have been able to do what i did with the stream without it because it was like we were practicing for the blue sky noise tour before shit hit the fan with covid so i spent a long like a ton of time programming my board prior to that that tour and then i just had it saved and then it was like as soon as as soon as we started doing for the stream i had everything already set and that's half the work, you know what I mean? Like once you have that dialed in, like everything else comes back super fast, but like to get the pedal stuff right, um, takes so much time and stress. And I don't think I would have been able to pull that off, um, in such a short time frame, amongst moving and all this other stress. If I hadn't just had that, you know, set list to pull up like on the helix, like, all right, all right, I got my shit. Yeah, because you guys have to go a little bit deeper than a lot of bands because you guys start songs with like these timed delays and rhythmic delays mm-hmm. and then Steve mm-hmm. is still running the click for you guys off of mm-hmm. Ableton back there, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember this about your setup. It's super cool the way you guys designed it. It's it's very yeah. smart. It's like to me the perfect hybrid between playing it live and feeling it but still having this backbone uh, mm-hmm. of the playback not through the pa but for you guys you know what i mean yeah so yeah yeah that makes sense that the whole effects preparation would be pretty intense and like you would need to get it really spot on right yeah but at least once you do it now with a helix it's done and you save it and you're like cool every every time i look at a set list and i know that we already have you know i already have like 50 percent of it programmed already i'm like yeah thank god yeah for real yeah. <laughs> or you could just roll RX style where we're just like, oh, whatever. It's all just blah. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> right. It's true. I mean, at the end of the day, man, it's uh, it's not worth stressing too hard over. Yeah, but those like uh, delayed intros and stuff, it's crucial. It's important. Yeah. 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 Um, sure. So what else have you guys been doing as far as Circa goes? Have you just been jamming regularly and like, just to stay fresh and, and, you know, 
slowly make your way up to the tour to get tour ready? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we were we were rehearsing pretty hard for the stream. We did that, and then we just started getting together pretty loosely um, to work on a few other things. You know, like we didn't really have anything to do necessarily. We were just like, oh, let's get together and like work on something for Patreon or whatever. We do that, um, and then if we didn't have anything to do, we'd either jam or just hang out and try to reconnect. And um, that's always kind of important, I think, for us, like trying to just get back to the place where you don't feel like weird you know just like oh man so much time has passed and yeah i haven't like hung out and i don't really know what's going on in your life and stuff and that that uh that's pretty rare for us i mean we're, we're pretty connected um but it can happen easily you know especially totally. over the pandemic you know you just get in your own bubble and you realize like oh fuck it's been like three months since we really had like a heart to heart like this is what's going on with me um and we try to do that really frequently on on you know on tour but when you split off and you're not really if you don't have a reason to show up every, you know a couple times a week together it's really easy for time to just fly by and sh- shit is happening in your life and you're like whoa i didn't even tell you that i forgot um totally so, yeah just looking so, at just looking at pictures uh, of or any of us looking at pictures of just 10 years ago it's like such a punch in the face of like time boom oh my god dude it's insane and i mean i think about it a lot you know i feel like i've had like multiple lives within the span of this band you know like, totally um different different long term committed relationships I was in or just like different phases of my own life and uh, things that I was going through or thinking about or dealing with. And, um, and you realize it's all happened within the time span of the band being together. (laughs) You you know, you you see a picture of yourself and you realize like, Holy fuck, like that motherfucker's dead. I don't (laughs) know. You know, (laughs) that's not, that person's not even alive anymore. I don't know who that is, but that's not me. And, um, totally, you know, um, thinking about like the band specifically, like how we, we cohabitated for so much of the beginning of the band, you know, the first, first, uh, you know, seven years ish, uh, like just a lot of like living together and totally doing, doing, um, a lot of just always around each other, always like everything was centered around it. And then slowly, everyone starts building their own lives and it's like we all start orbiting around the band, but it's not the the thing that, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a trip to reckon with. That's for sure. Because, you Uh know, we, we are like that in the beginning of our bands because it requires that that's like a, Uh a bare minimum to do the amount of work and to have the cohesion and the tightness and to do all that touring. It's like, it's just how it is. Like, I don't, I don't even understand how bands, or I, I guess I shouldn't say I don't understand. It's hard for me to imagine bands being able to do that in the same way now, even though they do. Right. It's just right. a different time. So I guess what all I did in that comment is expose my fuddy duddiness, my old dudeness. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I think about how you know how necessary it was for us to to live together and to 
um, really just be completely entangled in, in each other's lives for the first little bit. Um, and yeah, we wouldn't have made it if we didn't do it that way. Um, we had to do it that way. And when I think about bands who somehow can like start and like still maintain their own personal lives, like outside of the band and then they can get to some kind of level. I mean, I just don't understand how that's possible, but um, for us, it was like sharing, sharing monthly bills and you know it's like oh the band pays the rent (laughs) like none of us are able to afford our own rent anywhere you know we're like in this one house together and it's like oh this person has a bill well the band pays that and because like that's all you know that doesn't mean like we each get equal money or anything um that was just how we had to exist you know kind of like very communistic for a lot of years yeah um Otherwise, we I just don't think we would, would have been able to do it. Um, but it's pretty amazing to look at it now, you know, after being together, like, you know, almost 17 years or whatever. Like, oh, shit. Like, we, we somehow, like, took this thing where we could, like, you know, we did tours where we didn't even get hotel rooms because we couldn't afford them. And then now it's like we've somehow been able to sustain a, a living for five people for you know almost two decades it's it's fucking insane man i i think a lot of it has to do with what you were talking about from the outside it's cool to watch this sort of uh socialistic approach that you guys had with Mm -hmm. your band and and as somebody who's like close to you guys as a band like it's cool to see that in the fiber of your existence you know what i mean like yeah the way you guys look out and look out for each other and, and take care of each other because, and I think we talked about this before on cosmic nod, but it's cool to see you guys like that because there's so many bands more than maybe a lot of people realize that are really not run that way. (laughs) You know? Yeah. They're totally kind of the opposite of that. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's touching. And and that's why, uh, I like your guys' vibe so much, you know? yeah thanks man um you know i mean we we definitely have our share of shittiness and things that we we don't get right but we try our best and we care about each other like family so yeah um you know that that gets harder and weirder uh the older you get you know you just yeah. get you you realize that everything has to continuously adapt and change um you can't hold on to any any certain way of doing anything it just has to be like what makes the most sense now you know that's that's the way you have to approach everything i guess um but i i think it's also important because whether it be a multi-directional relationship like a band or a kind of just bi-directional relationship like a monogamous romantic relationship or whatever Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have our shittiness and our problems, but when you create that environment where you can kind of be resilient in the face of these failures and conflicts and mm-hmm. stuff, that's the, that's the winning right there. Yeah. It's like, nobody's going to avoid that. It's about creating, you know, whether it be through tropes or cliches like communication and openness and stuff mm-hmm. that it's, those are really important things, which is why they're constantly mentioned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, man. I mean, yeah there there has to be 
30 plus times where this band could have died you know where we could have and I don't, I don't even mean i mean there have been times where we probably you know almost physically died but yeah. like uh i mean like the band almost probably should have been like done or split up like uh you know 30 plus times where we reached a point where we had to have a serious communication about something or something needed to get worked it worked out or um we needed to figure out a better way to do something and we've just always figured it out um you know and that you're right. Like that, that really is, um, that's kind of the deciding factor of whether a band stays together over time or not. You know, it's yeah. like, can you work through this really difficult shit? Can you figure out a way to get through this moment that feels like there's no way through it? <laughs> you know? It's yep. like, um, and, yeah. uh, yeah, somehow we have, and we're still here. I feel like that's, uh, crucial for anything and how the, like, a relationship or a multi-relationship like a band like that level of ability to deal with it also oftentimes has a huge effect on my desire to keep at it to get through it or not <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, nothing on, will yeah, nothing will make me want to give up faster than a dysfunctional process you know what i mean so, mm. yeah. yeah well that says a lot because you guys are you know you're you guys have been together even longer than us so um you know, it's like how, how, yeah, that, I don't know. That says a lot. Like, yeah, we, we, we're a unique situation because our band actually was like very close to death. Uh, we were pretty much on life support. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with, um, our, the members of our band, we are particular types of personal problems, although different had commonalities in that it didn't make any of us really great at communication. And that pretty much compounded any problem and every problem we had like by so much that it took me years to realize it and look back and go, oh, yeah, that was definitely made like 10 times worse through lack of ability to communicate and f and, and a constructive commu lack of co constructive communication skills. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's crazy because uh, even if you don't communicate about something the the silence the lack of communication does something actively you know it oh, it's fills loud. in the gap yeah it fills in the gaps for you in a very dysfunctional shitty way and it's like if you don't take the opportunity to say something and say how you feel and say how something's affecting you the the static <laughs> silence the of it not being worked out starts to sound a lot like a voice and all of a sudden you you know your head decides that you know what, how the other person feels or you know you you start creating a storyline and that's not just with bands obviously like you said you know it's any any uh intimate relationship um you know the lack of communication starts to create its own communication and it's often not very good it's often not very healthy yeah and i i myself at times resent us being kind of limited to a verbal expression. Um, mm -hmm. And I've said to different people in my life, like if we could have dolphin sonar, I, I, I would choose that bat sonar, uh, body language or right. pantomimes if we could. But unfortunately as humans, all we have really to effectively communicate our feelings is words, you know, right. because someone like me, who's always kind of, 
promoting communication now that I've learned how to constructively communicate. I, when you meet those people in opposition, I think often a, uh, a common type of resistance is like, we don't need to keep talking. We don't need to do all this talking. Like, why do you want to talk about things so much? And it's just like, <laughs> I want to be able to get across to them. Like, I, I really don't. I want to come to an understanding and this verbal road, although yeah. we both resent it, is the only way to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're giving me anxiety just recapping that because I totally understand that. And I'm I'm often in that position of, I feel like that is my, my, my personality type is to want to keep talking and dissecting until I feel, um, me too. you know, better. Um, not necessarily even better, but just clearer. Like, yep. okay, I know where we stand. I know where things are. Rather than the state of confusion is really not a comfortable place for me to be in. Um, and I know maybe that's like, you know, kind of duh. Maybe a lot of people don't feel comfortable in confusion, but there are people that can just kind of, you know, thrive and not really worry about, you know, getting to the bottom of something. And I'm just not like that. I'm like you and I needed it to learn how to reel that in too, because when I was more zealous and younger, I would be willing to talk about things ad absurdum, you know, yeah. where I'm just like, yeah. All right, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, like how, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I myself am constantly promoting it while I myself resent it. So, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I relate mm -hmm. to that completely. Uh, it's probably why we're both podcasters too. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's definitely made me, uh, you know, get to the place where I understand, you know, I have this proclivity towards communication and talking things through. And, um, but you can get a little distance from it when you're editing or just like listening back to something or even rethinking about a conversation and realize like, why did I feel the need to go further into that? It seemed almost like it was already it was already there, and then I had to go almost peel back another layer to the point where it didn't make even sense anymore. You know, yeah. it's like talk myself in circles sometimes. Um, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good reflection to have though. I, I have similar ones where I'm like I could have expressed that idea in like one quarter of the amount of words I used. But I couldn't stop myself from using all those words when I could have just said this. And I'm like, all right, next, get a next time. <laughs> do you edit your pod? I do very minimally, only when, mm -hmm. like, there's something that someone says they didn't want in, or mm -hmm. in like a monologue intro. If I just totally fuck up a word, but other other than that, I make a very deliberate effort to keep it unedited. That's good. Yeah, wow. that's I mean, that's way better for you um, in terms of, yeah, just work time. And but also, I think like mental headspace, I think you spent if, if you spent too much time editing, like for me, it just totally did me in. I just was like, I can't same. do this. Yeah, same. And it's already like already we are all kind of like adding our grains of sand to this giant desert of uh, sonic media in particular podcasting and yeah. uh, I'm just trying to make you know a grain of sand that should, should somebody ever happen upon it and decide to focus on it they're like oh 
I like this, you know? So my whole angle now is to not try to appeal to a lot of people. It's to try and really stoke out the very, 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 very few. Mm-hmm. So I think totally. uh, this kind of conversation, the unedited pretense, that sort of thing is just lends itself to that. So I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a vibe. It's a total vibe, bro. Um, so what's your vibe been out there? Like what's the kind of, I mean, you're in transition still, but having moved Mm -hmm. back there, even for a short amount of time, like in back at the parents' house and stuff, you, you're going to settle into a new groove until you move. So what, what's kind of been that day to day vibe for you? Cause you do so much. Your creative output is seriously impressive and inspiring. So I'm just curious as to like, you know, what your day is, what your days are structured like. Yeah. Um, I always struggle with structure, but, um, I think I'm definitely, I see transitional periods as like a good opportunity to, to try some new shit and try to get, um, maybe out of some old habits. Uh, so I mean, for one thing coming here, um, you know, last month, uh, we, we lost a, a dog, Ducky, RIP, love yeah, you, brother. My condolences, um, bro. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so that was, that was rough. Um, that happened on my birthday, actually. Fuck. Then, yeah, it was brutal. But, um, you know, so that, that, that definitely like, um, shook us up a little bit as far as the groove we were in, but, and at the same time we have, we have like a, a little puppy that we adopted in January. Nice. Um, and he, he kind of keeps us, uh, you know, he keeps us going in, in, in this way of like, all right, well, he's going to be a total psychopath if we don't <laughs> go out to the park, you know? So, so we go to the park every day and we go for, we go for hikes every day. Um, uh, and if we can't get to the park, then we go, we go somewhere that we can at least just go like there's this like uh running circle that's not too far we'll go over there and like just do that a couple times just to get him out there uh-huh. um but he's like a little a little dude that like we'll go five miles um at the park and then still have to take him around the neighborhood twice and then he'll still have energy later so he's he's kind of a nut and uh yeah so he he keeps us outside at least a little bit every day, which is great. I think for our headspace, like I, when I think about, you know, just the last few months, there's been a lot of stress and a lot of like uncertainty and a lot of like, you know, moments to really give into fear. And I think like just being out, you know, around trees and just open air, like Crucial. for me, like it's just so healing. Yeah. Um, and it just really like it, it, it's like it gives my mind uh like relief enough to where i can start to organize thoughts again and start to like think cuz sometimes honestly like i'm just working on so many different things so that i'll start like my my ADD will just start kicking in and like just punish me to the point where like i can't seem to like it's like i'm working on a lot of stuff but i'm not getting anything done Totally. Feeling. totally um yeah so i think at first i had to just give myself 
space to rest a little bit when we got here. Um, totally. I was pretty much forced to, you know, it's like, I don't really have, I don't really have a lot of room to do my normal operation here. Um, I don't have the ability to like really carve out like just a normal, uh, work schedule, you know, cause we were hunting for houses all the time. So we were, we were doing that and, uh, and just that eats up so much energy. But now that that's over, I'm starting to get back into to a groove. And right now I'd say I, I spend like, yeah, it's almost like a 50-50 split um, on music and art, you know, um, right now. Where I'm, I'm making a lot of new art every day. And the band is continuously working on music stuff. So... I never have like a shortage of stuff to do. It's always like a pile of stuff that I wanted to get to that I didn't get to every day. Um, and that feeling is sometimes really unsettling to me, but I've been kind of trying to just let it be like, and realize that like in reality, like there any day that I feel like I got everything done is just an illusion. <laughs> Like, it's not real it's not real <laughs> totally. like there's always going to be more to do and i just have to like set up this way of like the work window is x and it closes here and um so yeah that's what i'm trying to get better at just like all right i work these hours every day and some days like something will take you know it'll take priority and then i'll either work shorter that day or I'll just push it a little bit later and kind of adapt, um, depending on the urgency. But, you know, it's like a bless. There are blessings to being, you know, self-employed and your own, your own kind of like captain. So I try to like, look at it as like, Hey, today I just want to fuck off. Yeah. I'm not going to do shit. Totally. And I'm, I'm not going to punish myself later for it. Yeah. That's the true test. Can I not punish myself? Yeah, I'm still very bad at not punishing myself. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's hard. So your, I want to go back to your puppy. Is it like part shepherd or anything like super hyper like that? Is that why? The... No. So he is a, um, we're pretty sure he's probably got some terrier in him. Okay. Um, but he is, we found out that his breed is, um, called a Portuguese Padengo. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's at least one part of, you know, like that's a big part of, of his breed. Um, he's probably a mix. He's a rescue. Um, but he, when we look up Portuguese Padengo, he looks exactly like the small version of, of that. Uh-huh. And so he might have a little bit of a uh, terrier in him other, other than that. I mean, he's just, yeah. I mean, I, I, it could be that he's got the puppy energy thing, but it seems almost like a disposition as well. Like he's just like endlessly wants to run around and yeah. play and just has that. And if he doesn't get to do that, just just get worn out kind of outside. Um, it's just like we will feel the wrath. <laughs> like he, he totally. will punish you. Totally. Yeah. And if not you, then it'll be your belongings, your shoes uh-huh. and uh, yep. uh, whatever oh. cables might be mm-hmm. lying, <laughs> lying around. And then, um, secondly, you were talking about going outside, which not only do I relate to, I completely agree with 
And I realized something after moving back to Northern California and leaving LA, coming back to where I grew up, where I'm surrounded by redwood forests and I'm near the Northern coast. And, uh, I realized, you know, standing out in the middle of a forest a couple of weeks ago that nature for me and for, for should be for most people, I think the most enriching, the least aggressive and the most comforting source of reality for me, actually, mm-hmm. uh, we don't think of it as reality, especially when you're so living in society and modern comforts. I think people tend to approach it like a novelty, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Like if you grow up in the city and blah, 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 it is new. It is novel, you know. But right. when I'm in there, I realize like, no, all hippies should decide this is reality. This is reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the arc of this tree's life, what can take it out? What you know, it, what it endures, like everything it contributes, like this is the reality that, uh, I'm really into tapping into. So I really feel what you were saying about that. Yeah, man, it, it, it's crazy. And, uh, it's interesting just how just having a dog can really connect you to that because, you know, it forces you to go find it. Um, you know, when we just went for our anniversary, we went, um, we went downtown and, uh, you know, we went to this really cool restaurant and, you know, we, we bring him along, you know, we like, we, we are constantly searching for patios or like, Mm -hmm. uh, restaurants that'll, that have outdoor seating and allow dogs. Um, and, uh, so we've went to this really special spot. We brought him along and, you know, we're just right in center city and we were getting, we got an Airbnb too. But we like had to find a, a place for him to go, right? And it, you know, it was like, oh, there's this great park right in the middle, and you could just see like all, like it was full of dog owners, you know, like all the dog owners, just like that is their sanctuary. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it was it was beautiful. Like it was just like oh, we, it, it just it was interesting how it became like such a central focus of like what we had to find and like where we needed to be and um. Yeah, uh, and it, it, again, it's just like this great um, bonus of of having this little dude in our lives is like he just constantly draws us outside, constantly draws us, you know, towards the uh, trees and grass, and yeah, and it's like ah, oh, yeah, this is actually what I needed. I know you needed to shit, but like I needed to be here and like just look up at the sky right now. So, exactly. I thought that exact same thing. It's like you needed to yeah. pee, but I needed to stop staring at that computer screen and walk into the backyard for a moment. Yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. Literally like yeah. close my eyes and raise my face to the sun or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling yep. that hard, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, so what days of the week have you guys been doing circuit jams? Is there like a set day? Speaking of um, regularity and schedules no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right now we're doing Monday and Wednesday, um, two days a week. But nice. yeah, yeah, we just stepped it up to to two days a week, and it might, it'll probably increase actually as we get closer to Riot Fest. Um, but right now, two days a week seems good since we're not doing anything too crazy. Um, just you know, brushing up on stuff and getting tight. But. Um, yeah, as we get closer to leaving, it'll probably be pretty much, you know, five times a week eventually. 
Um, but yeah. Are you guys um, just doing a regular set for Riot Fest? Or are you guys going to do a Blue Sky Noise set? No, it's a regular fest, uh, a regular set um, for the, for the festival. Um, cool. Which yeah, it's awesome. It's a nice change because really, like I said, like right before the pandemic um, kicked off, you know, fuck, a um, year and a half ago or whatever we were deep in rehearsals for blue sky noise. And then, you know, just like went right back to it almost like, you know, nothing that had even happened. So it's been blue sky noise, blue sky noise, um, ready for change up. Um, even though we're going to go do that tour in January, but still like, it's going to be nice to just go play a fucking, you know, play the hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, so you, as we say, you're going to, you're going to do like a typical 30 minute festival set then. I think it's a little longer, but um, it's not it's not too long. I think it's like a forty five minute or cool. Um, yeah, it, it should be good. But uh, right now we have some regular shows as well. Um, but with COVID and everything, like I don't really know what's going on. It's kind of up in the air. There's a lot of shit happening. There's a lot of stuff happening on the ground right now with clubs. Like every they're yeah. changing their policies and obviously like when we set this up delta hadn't really yeah sunk its teeth into everything yet um so we're looking at everything uh every day kind of like assessing like is this really all right to do this yet like i mean i feel like yeah like things are changing rapidly january everything in january still looks pretty good like i feel like they're going to have stuff dialed in by then um, policy wise. But right now is like a really weird gray area time where I think we're still figuring it out. So yeah, it's super weird. Um, real quick. I wanted to ask you about your sunburst telly behind you. Oh yeah. Is, do you take that to rehearsal or do you leave other guitars at Steve's for rehearsal? No, I, I take this one. I, this is like my main shit. I, I like I, it. I've had it since the beginning. Um, yeah, I've, I've probably played it on like 90% of all of our songs in the studio and uh, probably, yeah, like 90% of my stage time, maybe more. When I think of you, I think of that sunburst telly. It's a, yeah. it's a beautiful guitar. Looks like it may be from the mid nineties, late nineties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you actually put it in a case or do you just throw it? I do. Okay. I do. Now I do because um back like maybe shit. I want to say maybe like maybe 5 or 6 years ago we were playing like an an in-store in Doylestown and I just threw it in the back and it fucking hit something and I got this like chip in the fretboard and I had to have oh, a no. guy do like an emergent emergency uh surgery on it but yeah. ever since then I'm like never again. It's always got to be in a case. Yeah, I Never doing a shit one of yet. my favorite things when I was still living in Long Beach is just throwing guitar in the back seat. Sometimes I'd strap it in the seatbelt and just drive to practice. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely should have had it strapped in, man. Yeah. Um but yeah. Um Yeah. I plan on buying like a soft gig bag for just driving around town though because honestly like fuck putting a guitar in a road case or it's big case just to like drive it like 50, you yeah, know what I mean? it's like a pain yeah. in the ass so totally next thing i wanted to ask you about is um 
this is a subject that's talked about ad nauseum, but we only kind of really get like these sort of internet and Twitter hot takes and shit. And somebody like you who plays in a band that's right in that size of venues where it's a real concern. Where do yeah. you stand with how safe, like today, on, on this day in August, how do you feel about getting into these one to 2,000 cap clubs? And how are you guys approaching this whole vaccine thing and all that stuff? Like, what's your vibe, dude? I really want to know. Yeah, totally. Um, on this day, August, Friday the 13th, um, yeah. I feel very concerned. I feel very... Um, uneasy about indoor shows right now um i thought i would feel better by now um i we was feeling i was feeling better very very short-lived um before the variant popped its head in, in in here um i wouldn't say i was like all right we're good but i was like hopeful like totally okay it's looking I think up things are gonna yeah i think Things are going to be good. Um, now, yeah, it, it, it's a daily conversation that goes all day with us back and forth on Texas. And we're, we're all on the same page in that, you know, we're ready. We're ready to cancel shit um, if it needs to happen. Um, and we're starting to feel like, all right, I don't I don't know if indoor shows are, are quite there yet. Um, it feels like like I saw AEG said something yesterday that. Um, October 1st, all AEG, all AEG venues and shows will be vaccine mandatory. Boom. Um, no more negative test things. Like it's just straight up vaccine mandatory. Um, and then I, I haven't seen confirmation of this. The only thing I saw was on, um, Bob left sets, uh, fucking, mailing list or whatever he said that live nation is doing the same thing just a couple weeks later um but i haven't seen live nation confirm that um it seems like to me when i read stuff about live nation live nation seems like they're more maybe i'm wrong maybe i haven't seen the, the thing yet but it seemed like they're putting it more on the bands uh, yeah on, more on the artists and they're like we will allow and facilitate vaccine you know mandatory shows um but we also yeah, want to do country music concerts so we can't mandate <laughs> <laughs> right um they also both of them also stated um that it's a state-by-state -state thing and i guess there are a few goofball states that are like yeah your businesses are not allowed to yeah mandate vaccines or whatever um, it seems like it's very small amount, but it seems like some of them can. Honestly, I mean, I know it's a hot button topic, but I just feel like I would feel a lot safer playing a vaccine mandated show, period. Straight I mean, up. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm not concerned about me getting sick. I feel exactly. I feel protected. I feel protected by the vaccine. Um, but I am very concerned about being a vector and spreading it. Um, cause you know, obviously about. yeah, like asymptomatic spread is a thing. Um, I mean, the more I read about it, the more I chill out. Cause I'm like, okay, like the real science behind 
the vaccine and how it's working, there are, you know, obviously we're reading a lot about breakthrough infections, but, um, you know, if you really get into it, they're, they're still low. Like there's still a very low percentage of that happening. Very low. Um, yeah. And, and the percentage of them that are serious are even lower. Um, but like the reality is, is like, you know, a big problem we have here in the States is just unvaccinated people getting really sick and fucking overflowing the hospitals, you know? Um, and that's still a major concern to me, even though I'm doing everything possible to, to not contribute to that. But, um, you know, it's like, fuck, like, it's really frustrating because it feels like people who are refusing to get vaccinated are kind of also, <laughs> they're kind of also making it really difficult for musicians and comedians and whoever else tours around to make a living because so hard. It's like, you know, I, I, I wished I could just be like, well, whatever, you're not going to get vaccinated. That's on you. But the reality is, is we're all fucking connected and that shit affects us. You know, um, it does affect all of us when you go to the hospital and they don't have enough staff to, to take in someone with a fucking heart attack, you know, uh, because everybody's dealing with COVID shit. And, you know, it's just a, it's super frustrating. Uh, but the reality is, is like, I, I wanted to do the right thing prior to vaccines being around and that was obviously canceling um you know we decided to cancel our tour before it was even mandated you know um but you know it's like now okay i know everyone that tours with us is vaccinated our whole band is vaccinated my whole family is vaccinated you know everyone in my circle is vaccinated so I'm not worried about anybody um, in particular, but it still feels like problematic to go out there, travel from place to place and drag around asymptomatic spread. Um, or, you know, potentially th- there are people that are connected to us that that are immunocompromised, you know, totally. and, and, and you still have to be worried about that shit. And you still have to worry about, you know, yeah, it's a very low possibility But even with breakthrough infections, you might not get a really bad case of it to the point where you're going to go to the hospital or whatever. But long COVID is still a thing for breakthrough infections. So you could have a super mild or even asymptomatic infection and then start having long COVID symptoms. I know. And like people like just to remind people novel in the scientific world means new. Like we don't know yeah. anything about it. It doesn't mean it's ice cream. It means it's yeah. new and that we don't know anything. Yeah. So for all the com- people complaining that information is changing, that's good science. That's them admitting yeah. that they didn't know and that they know now, you know? Yeah. The thing I'm mainly concerned about, and I know it's actually a little bit selfish, this perspective, but I don't want anybody dying from my band's show. And I don't think any musician wants anybody attending their show to die, you know, or to come near death. And I'm like, I'm like you, it's like the data is the data. And the data says that if you're vaccinated, there's like over a 94% chance that you're going to be okay, even if you get sick. But if we let these people 
you know, who are like, we don't want to get vaccinated in and they end up dying from our show. Like that would, yeah. I have to be selfish about that because that's just sort of like emotional preservation. And the problem with me is, is like, although I disagree with it, I can respect somebody's right that autonomy to say, I do want this in my body or I don't. Okay. When it ends there, cool. Do I think you're dumb? Yes. Do I think you're hypocritical because you're using all these other forms of science and technology to express your opinion on why you don't want to get vaccinated? Yes. But I still respect your right to do that. My issue is that most of the people I'm seeing that are like that still want to do the selfish thing where they're like, but I'm not willing to give up going here or going there. If you were being like, I don't trust this and I don't want to get the vaccine, but I'm willing to stay inside my home, stay separate, not go to the concert, not have to do this, not have to eat out. Then I'd be like, okay, what can I say? You know what I mean? But there's all these people that just want to roll around (coughs) it, it, you know, I'll just end the thought there, but yeah, it pisses me off. (laughs) No, my, my favorite is, uh, you know, like I, I was outside of a Wawa and uh, for anyone that doesn't know what a Wawa is, it's just a convenience store, but it's like a pretty, you know, it's like a staple over here on the, the East Coast. And uh, I was outside of the Wawa and this woman was just sitting there smoking cigarettes and like talking about, we don't know what's in the vaccine. We don't know what's in there. So and, I, and I'm like, cigarette. I'm like, dude, like the irony here is just so lost on you. Like, you know, and it's, I've heard, I've heard similar things for people who like seriously will shoot heroin. Yeah. Who are, who are totally anti-vax. And I'm just like, wow, like, I don't, how, like, how can you not see the irony? But like, to me, it's like, yo, I understand vaccine anxiety like a hundred percent totally like when i had to go to peru i had to get like 10 vaccines in one day and totally. i was like fucking like i was one of them specifically the the guy that gave him was giving me the shots was like oh you got to sign this waiver and I, I think it was yellow fever i forget one one of the ones was super gnarly and it was basically like you're risking death by getting this vaccine yep but he's like he's like yeah, he like gave it to me like it was no big deal. I remember reading it and I was just like, holy shit, this is pretty intense. And he's like, yeah, it's like such a small chance, but you know, it's a chance. And, and like, yeah. I just sat there. I was like, I'm going to fucking Peru to drink ayahuasca. Like, of course, I'm taking chances all over the place. I take a chance just by driving here right now. Totally. All right. You know, signed it, got it. It's fine. I didn't have any reaction from any of them. And that's something that so many people forget is like, yo, for international travel for like millennium, like it, you know, maybe not that long, but like for a long time, international travel, it's been mandated that you, you have to get certain vaccines to go to certain regions, period. So a lot of people who are anti-vax are just kind of showing the fact that they've never gone outside their little bubble. Like they don't understand. Yeah. And then they'll say, do your own research while posting a YouTube video of somebody else, you know, 
and yeah, talking nonsense, ignoring the fact that our society still exists as it does because of a vaccine that 99% of us get upon being born for the measles, right. mumps and rubella, the MMR vaccine. It's just like, exactly. Have you guys looked at pictures of bad cases of measles, mumps or rubella? It's fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. Dude. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I relate. There was a story I was going to talk about perhaps in the intro of this episode where, you know, RX was playing in Panama City. We were going straight to Brazil from there. And at the time, Brazil required yellow fever vaccines, like most of South America did. So we were driven to a clinic without exaggeration, literally in the jungle of Panama. It's a medical clinic, the only place offering yellow fever vaccine. And we, we did it. And I was super sketched out, not only from my American privilege of like, what kind of medical center has like monkeys climbing in the trees around you know what I mean? And stuff like that. Right. But just right. a vaccine because nobody is less trusting. Nobody has less trust for big pharma, corporate interests, and the and how that has permeated the bureaucratic structures of American government like the FDA and the CDC more than I do. Right. I'm not going to say they've been perfect and that they don't have interests, but nothing is black and white. All I'll say is that there's one piece of logic that rings true to me that kind of is the overarching theme in all of this, which is that this is like the one time when companies like Pfizer and all these big pharmas, they can't fake it. If this shit doesn't work, they don't get to sell the vaccine. They don't get to make all their money. They don't, mm-hmm. their stock isn't worth the same. There's no way to real fake it. Yes, they could mess up, but you know, Look at all the other drugs that are regularly consumed by people, even anti-vaxxers, that have efficacy rates of 45%, 50% with this huge plethora of side effects. And yet that's another thing that's ignored. So I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the look, big pharma and big corporate interests, they want people to be healthy enough to go out there and spend money. Exactly. Like they want, they want society to keep functioning. Like, they, they because need that, 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 yeah, that, that is why they're pro vaccine. And it, it's not like, I don't think that big pharma or any of these big corporations give a fuck about humanity necessarily. It's they just don't. about keep their, they want to keep things, uh, operating and if uh, if we're basically a plague state that can't happen um so yeah it's in everyone's best interest to have you know to to get the um you know the virus to be as minimal as possible in society um it's not about you know mind control or anything else that people think it is it's like yo it's really simple like if a virus wreaks havoc on society the way that COVID did, you know, especially before everyone got all stupid about it, um, you know, we shut down, everything shuts down, you know, uh, capitalism kind of ceases to, to be, uh, you know, the ruler of the land. And like, that's why, you know, and, and I'm, I don't know. I have my own weird, weird things with, with capitalism and with all this kind of stuff, but like, come on. It just seems so nonsensical to me. Like, like I get so nonsensical. There are some people like who have actual good reason 
to not take the vaccine you know like if if they've had like um Jillian Barr or, or like there, totally. there are certain syndromes where they can be put at risk that is factored into a vaccination program though like exactly if everyone else if everyone else does their duty and gets the vaccine then we do get to have like you know crowd immunity like we will build that but if we don't get over a certain threshold and all these people who actually technically should be getting the vaccine don't then what we see is an intense amount of mutation and variance and that's what we're, that's what we're starting to have yeah. <laughs> right you know yeah. it's like uh it's just it's hilarious to me that americans can't see um you know how so many of these other places in the world are not they're not rich enough countries to have the plethora of vac vaccine supply, you know, and they're just, you know, suffering be because of it. And then the variants are happening in those places and we have the supply of vaccines to do it, but we're so fucking stupid <laughs> that we're like, no, we're going to just let all the vaccines just be there and I'm not going to get vaccinated. And then we're going to create our own mutations over here. And we're going to let the other variants that are coming over here, like wreak havoc on us. And uh, it's just sad. So, yeah, we have, we have a major problem on our hands and that, and that is um, the anti anti-vax movement um, is growing every year. And obviously COVID has blown it like, like, to a major degree, like every year prior to COVID and anti-vax movement was building, um, you know, and growing, but this has obviously spiked it exponentially in, in a direction that I'm, I'm pretty fearful of, man. Um, dude, somebody with a time machine needs to go back to 1997 to yeah. MTV studios and, I don't know, like do mafia threatening on Jenny McCarthy or something. Just be like, don't say all this stuff you're about to say. <laughs> I just don't do it. Like mafia I had no clue. <laughs> I don't, I had no clue that somebody like her could have such a giant impact on all of humanity in such a negative way to the point where if this continues to go, I wouldn't be that shocked if in 10 years somebody was able to bring like a sort of lawsuit <laughs> against her wow to like clearly draw a pathology of this anti-vax rhetoric and see how it affected now maybe it wouldn't happen maybe i'm wrong but i wouldn't be that surprised if it did you know wow i don't think i realized the extent to which she was at the center of it wow she literally was at the helm she championed this cause in america at least yeah. i mean like she ha almost had more publicity for her anti-vaccine movement than she did as a television dating show host. Right. Which is like literally what she was known for before. So, yep. uh, it, it frustrates shit. me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I realized that it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, shit, this MTV host, this seemingly innocuous MTV host. Yep whoa like thanks for thanks for delta jenny mccarthy <laughs> fuck i'm just kidding no yeah. it wasn't all her but yeah, yeah. damn <laughs> yeah so yeah well we got to stay hopeful uh to whatever extent we can and i guess just keep making the hard decisions and um to you know just circle back to like 
where we started with this was, you know, we're going to try to do everything we can to just keep making decisions that are in the interest of humanity at large and not just like our band, you know, because I will say, you know, like we're definitely, you know, we've been, we've been financially injured very, very deeply by this whole thing. And we want nothing more, not just for like our souls, uh, you know, for, to, to feel that feeling again, to be out there and do what we do, but also just, so that we can fucking pay our bills and shit, you know, we want to be back out there, but like, it's just, it's just not that simple. And there's so much more at stake. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that, that, that was always the most infuriating part going through the whole COVID thing. Um, you know, like people acting like, you know, if you're, if you're pro mask and you believe in science and you're pro vaccine, that some some part of you like doesn't like like you don't want like the rock show to go on like do you yeah. really think that i want to cancel do you think i don't want to be back out there like i want yeah. it we we want that so badly but um you know again like i don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, month or so we'll see um Hopefully we'll see what, you know, what, what happened over in the UK over here, which was like, you know, they really were able to squash. There was a massive surge of Delta over there. And like, you know, they brought the numbers down like enough to where at least things were slightly safer. Um, I would, I would, I hope for the same thing here. I mean, there, there, there's good reports right now coming out from Lollapalooza, you know, saying like, they've only been able to link like 200 cases to Lollapalooza, which was like, you know what, like 150,000 people or something like that. Um, Yeah. They, they said by like, they're declaring now that it was by no means a super spreader event. And they attribute that to, you know, some, something like 90% vaccination rate of people that were there. So, I mean, it's a really good sign. Um, I don't know what it says for 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 indoor events. I don't think it really speaks to indoor events because it's obviously a totally different situation. But um, there's reason to be hopeful. But we definitely got to still keep making shitty decisions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's probably been. It'll by the time you if the tour goes on by the time you're on that tour it'll have been what like three years since your last like on the road like full tour. Yeah, almost, yeah. yeah. You ready to uh, sleep in a bunk and get in that bus again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am. I, I Like, at least part of me is, you know? Like, yeah. part of me really wants, part of me misses it so much, you know? Um, yeah. But there's definitely a part of me that's like, nah, it's cool. Like... <laughs> whatever you know i mean like but i've been like this for years man like totally there's a part of me even before like way before covid that's just been like you know i watched the the music industry just sort of like eating itself for years Mm -hmm. and just being like all right it's gonna die you know like it's gonna just Mm -hmm. you know i don't know what's gonna happen but it, it feels like I don't know. Like, I don't know. There's just a part of me that's like very salty. Uh, and 
you know, people are always often surprised to find that part of me, you know, because like they think that I'm just like this uber kind of like hippie, ultra positive, whatever, um, which that, you know, that is part of my personality. But like there's another part that's just like totally salty. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's I have same. deep resentment towards, um, you know, industries and uh, the the totally. music industry is just this thing where like. I love music. I love playing music. I love creating music. I love like, I love the connection that we have to people. Uh, but I absolutely despise the music industry. I despise uh, the music industry and it's the entitled grandchild of the horrible monster of the old music industry that was set up to exploit artists and yep. basically prop up these corporations. And yeah. so, when you say that people think that you're this chill hippie all the time, I, I relate to that. And I think it's because we know how we inherently can be, which is why we strive to be something more and something healthier for ourselves and the people around us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the super fitness person. Oftentimes they were once overweight. It's mm -hmm. like, it's the same process, dude, you know? Mm -hmm. People are like, you're always staying so positive and like this. I'm like, yeah, I have to because I'm a fucking miserable bastard. I have a dark, blackened soul filled with trauma and resent, you know? And it's just like, so I'm not going to exist in that space. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, I don't know if you uh, ever saw like the, the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, but like they... I've seen a couple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, uh, they talk a lot about him in his interest in Zen and uh, like uh, I think it was Sarah Silverman potentially. She said like Gary wasn't Zen. Like he needed Zen to like not fucking murder people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. like, like, and that's kind of like, I, I, that really resonates with me, you know, like um, I'm always searching totally. for that way to let go of, of the part of, or at least like, like quiet the part of myself. That's like, raging and um you know so true I, I i'm very grateful for like psychedelics and like mindfulness and everything else um that has helped me kind of find a way to navigate this sea of chaos and vitriol you know yeah without shutting it out if right it, it like gives you a way to deal with it you know mm -hmm. while not denying its existence and uh you said it I mean, that, that quote really resonates with me too, you know, and I think you and me have even shared thoughts on this before too, you know, and you get that same reaction. We're like, really? You feel that way? You have this thought, but you're always <laughs> meditating. You're always meditating and like being chill. And I'm like, yes, because if I didn't meditate, when me and Colin were talking about anti-vaxxers and shit earlier, I wouldn't be able to constructively like communicate my thoughts i'd be like i fucking hate them these fucking assholes they yeah. just fuck everything you know it's like and so all that work has to be done just to get to the point where i can calmly say yeah i disagree with them and i think they're fucking assholes yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, rather yeah. than like losing my temper and like just like getting swept up and beside myself yeah snapping the fucking microphone throwing laptop across the fucking room yeah yeah um I find it to be like one of the most challenging psychological puzzles though for me, kind of like maybe uh, 
somewhere between Jenga and throwing darts,、mm-hmm. which is me trying to find stuff that makes me happy these days. Me trying to find stuff that stokes me out、mm-hmm. outside of our immediate structures. Because when we look at our partners or our pets or our families or our children, that's the immediate, easy way.、Yep. I'm talking about within this world, you know,、mm-hmm. and.、Uh, Yeah, I see fourteen-year-old Japanese girls winning gold medals in street skating at the Olympics. I see quips from Greta Thunberg, and and I see new music I like, and you know it's exercise. But I'm I'm trying more and more to find that shit that just makes me happy. That's good, man. It's uh, it's hard, and and I I definitely try to do the same thing. Um, I I, I find myself falling down these like. Nihilistic rabbit holes at times, and、um, you know, all it like, yeah, just the last few months, just having certain things kind of like、um, taken away, and just feeling like,、uh, oh, I, I resonate really deeply with this、uh, this drawing that my friend Ramin did recently. It was like, you know, he does these really beautiful, colorful drawings, and then they'll usually have like. Words and some kind of idea, you know, it's almost like a like just like a, a one frame of a comic or something like that. But、um, it was like this dude, this gnarly looking like cosmic like creature guy, and he's like surfing, you know, in the cosmos, and he he's saying like, all I want to do is play, and I barely even want to do that. <laughs> and like I was just like, dude, that is the vibe. Like that's that is the vibe lately for me. You know, it's like this thing where like, you know, like you just if you get beat down enough and you start feeling like you know the things that bring you joy and stuff get taken away or or like get put on pause or whatever, you can just get to this place where like, man, like it's a good thing I don't have like buckets of money because if I did, I'd probably just like completely. Just disconnect from society and like, just be like,、oh, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need any of this anymore. I just want to go into my fucking void and like, just have the things that make me happy, and that's it.、Um, but you know,、yeah. it's nihilistic, and I, I try, I try not to like let myself get consumed by that way of thinking because I know it's not, it, it's not totally representational of like how I feel, but I can go there so easily. You know, me too. Get me the fuck out of here. And I really, <laughs> yeah, I really relate to the sort of comfort nihilist, where、yeah. you're like, "Fuck everything, fuck every responsibility." Yep. I'm going to, you know, just basically drown myself in cannabinoids and sit in my massage chair、yeah. and do nothing. Watch movies, listen、Intuibly. to music, just be like, you know, isolated, insulated. Uh, in my own weird like web of comfort, and just fuck everyone, fuck everything. Like that—that that is like where my depression and anxiety kind of will take me. Like, like if I had the chance to just fucking totally never engage again, there are so many days where I've been pushed to that edge where I, where I would push that button and be like, yeah, take me out of here, no、totally. more. <laughs> I'll right now only allow myself to do that for 24 hours at a time. So I'll allow <laughs> like、good. one day recharges where、yeah. I'm just like, all right, 
not yeah. going to do jack shit today. Literally mm-hmm. not do anything you don't want to do today. But yep. I can't do any more than that because that's for sure when the depression's like, oh, it's my time to come out and play. Let's go. Yep. You're yep. productive. Let's yep. go. <laughs> yep. Totally. I feel you. Yeah, man. Um, has there been anything you've been listening to or uh, basically intaking that you've been really enjoying in any form of media, even food, anything? A, mm. a new bouncy ball that you got for the dog that you love. <laughs> Let me think. Um, yeah. Um, so um, visually, really, really enjoyed uh, Loki. Thought that was a pretty, pretty dope series. Um, pretty dope so far. Yeah. Um, really, really into that. Um, let me pull some stuff up here. I feel like I've just been on like a nonstop, uh, Krungbin. Um, Krungbin's great band. Yeah. Great band. Uh, totally love them. And they're just, they're, they are like a constant source of comfort for me. Um, they're like my, they're yeah. like my, they're like my mushroom acid music that like no matter what like they're like a life preserver of like they will make me feel better (laughs) always um i don't think anybody should ever go into any journey without at least a record or two as their anchor like that yeah they they're so comforting to me um yeah i really love um adrian lanker's solo record songs um nice um let's see here and for anyone that doesn't know that's the the main singer songwriter from big thief um they're incredible um Mm -hmm. what else um joe van from from indian lakes has an incredible solo record um shout out Good friend of the pod and ours, Joe Van, yeah. previous guest. Found in the smoke. What a record. So good. Um, yeah, that's probably it. I mean, mu- musically, I just like, um, you know, just throw on playlists and just let it roll. Um, but then really uh, trying to think what else. I mean, did you watch Summer of Soul yet? No, no, I need to. My parents said it's, it was fantastic. They loved it. It's rare that music documentaries can make me give me the chills and make me want to cry at the same time. Oh, awesome. In yeah. the same movie. Yeah. So Quest Love, thank you for giving the world that movie because damn. Hell yeah. Um yeah, I'm gotta I got to make some time and watch some stuff. There's a lot of uh, pretty cool documentaries out there that I need to catch up on. Um, I was enjoying that show, Dave, uh, on yeah, FX. I've only seen one episode. I was like, eh, this is pretty cool, but people are fucking rave about it. I was enjoying it until this second season. Really? Um, the second season is just super uncomfortable to the point of it's not like office uncomfortable where it's in the realm of like palatability we're talking like we're talking like 
Philip Seymour Hoffman uncomfortable levels here, <laughs> okay. like in the show. Uh, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I feel that. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, just my 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 highlight of the last few months is, you know, just Parks and and Sarah and Leo and before you pass Ducky. Like they're just my, my world. Uh, and I realize like sometimes I get so sucked into like creative work or, um, even just like media, like, you know, like that I can like take them for granted. And the last few months, um, you know, not really having my weird little bubble to disappear into and just always being around them. Like that's, that's been my thing of like, I don't want to leave out my cats like they're great but they're they're so obsessed with my parents and like so chill um they're not the, they're not the same they're not in the same like like I travel with Sarah and Leo like every day you know and just feel like I'm with them all the time and like my totally cat, I'm like damn like I'm so lucky to have them um so yeah the yeah they've been my highlight that's why we build these sort of uh nuclear units right mm-hmm. so um, here's to leaning further into the simple yet the most powerful pleasures in life, which yeah. are those things we're able to interact with and share love with, you know, right on dude. Well said, right on. Cheers. So thanks again for taking the time to do this and, and talk to me. Uh, I was feeling kind of anxious this morning, but true to form of seeing your face and chatting with you. I feel a lot more chill now. Hell so, yeah. Thank you. Right on. I love that. Yeah. So likewise, thanks for having me, man. Ch- cheers, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.